Hello and welcome back, everybody, to the 29th episode of the Three Point Threat Podcast, the first ever uh, playoff edition of the Three Point Threat. I'm your host, Jared Woodcox, and I am so excited for the playoffs, you guys. I'm completely amped up. Um, you know, I think a lot of us Jazz fans last night, uh, Wednesday night after the loss of the Blazers, you know, just like me, I was I was a ball of misery. I kind of got real depressed about the loss. But, you know, I'm, I'm over it now. And, you know, guys, we're the fifth seed. This is really impressive. Can we just take a second and talk about that? I mean, we thought we were dead in the water back in mid-January. Um, for the longest time, even after we started to turn things around and go on that 11-game win streak, we were hoping we could still nab the 8th seed or the 7th seed, even though it probably would mean you know a first-round date with either the Rockets or the Warriors. Instead, we're in 5th place. We're playing the Oklahoma City Thunder, who we do have a chance to beat. Um, you know, I'm going to talk about that today, obviously, on the show. Um, but we really should be really pleased with where we're at. It's pretty awesome to see how the Jazz closed out the year, uh, you know, a record of 29-6. and six. Um, I know the last game didn't go how we had planned. I think we all kind of had in our head that, hey, this third seed is within reach. Let's go get it. Obviously, that wasn't quite in the cards. The Portland Trailblazers played a heck of a game. Um, They're very deserving of that third spot for what they've done all year as well. Uh, But anyway, for today's show, I'm going to spend the whole time just talking about the playoffs. It's going to be pretty cut and dry. Um, It's what we're all obviously looking forward to starting this weekend. So for point one, I'm going to start in the Eastern Conference. I'm going to give all of my uh, first round Eastern Conference predictions. Uh, Then for point two, I'll move over to the Western Conference. I'm going to give all my predictions except for Jazz Thunder because that will be point number three. I want to dive a little bit deeper into obviously the Jazz Thunder series, give you guys some of my thoughts, some of my insight, as well as a final prediction for how I think that series is going to end up. So without further ado, let's jump right into my Eastern Conference predictions. Point one. So I know how we always talk about the Eastern Conference being the weaker of the two conferences, and, and you know, I do agree with that. I mean, you have the uh, the Warriors and the Rockets that really are just leaps and bounds above everybody, and then of course, you know, the logjam in the 3 through 10 spot in the West, just how closely contested that was, and how many good teams are in all those different spots. I mean, really, you know, you look at the third-seeded Blazers versus the eighth-seeded uh, Minnesota Timberwolves, and those are a couple of dang good teams, dangerous teams, um, and I think the Nuggets and the Clippers, who just barely missed the playoffs in the West, I think they would be playoff teams in the East. So yeah, you know, I do agree that the East is not as strong of a conference as the West overall. Um, But I got to be honest, I'm really excited about the Eastern Conference matchups in this first round. I think that all four of them are intriguing. Um, I think that all four of them, you know, really could go either way depending on, you know, certain variables. And I think we're in for a really exciting first round um, across the board. And, you know, beginning in the Eastern Conference, um, the first matchup I'll chat about is the Raptors Wizards. That's the 1-8. And, you know, the Raptors have been awesome all year long. Um, you know, they, they really reinvented themselves after last year when they fell short in the playoffs, just that, you know, they've always seemed to. And, and they've been a phenomenal team all this year. They'll be taking on a Wizards team that, quite frankly, has been pretty disappointing. I think that people had pretty high hopes and expectations for the Wizards this year. Um, and for them to just be the eight seed, I mean, that's that's pretty bad. I mean, even if they had been, you know, I know they had the John Wall injury they are dealing with for a lot of the year, but still, I think that they were more than capable of being a six or a five seed with the talent on that team. And they've really vastly underperformed, in my opinion, uh, to only be the eighth seed in the East. Uh, But with that, looking at Raptors Wizards, um, you know, the two teams went, they split the regular season series. It was two to two. Every game was pretty close. And get this, John Wall did not play in a single matchup against the Raptors. So that's going to be a little bit scary for the Raptors, honestly. They're going to be facing a Wizards team that isn't, 
exactly the same team they face in the regular season. I mean, I think that they're going to be in for, you know, quite a challenge with both John Wall and obviously Bradley Beal in the backcourt. And I think it goes without saying that that's the battle I'm most looking forward to seeing. You know, John Wall and Bradley Beal against Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan is going to be awesome. It's going to be a lot of fun, honestly. And I'm not willing to go as far as to say the Raptors are going to lose this series, but I think it's going to be harder than people would think, especially for a 1-8 matchup. And you know, I mentioned how John Wall didn't play a single time in the regular season against the Raptors, and I think that's going to be kind of a shock for them, you know, especially if he plays as well as he did in his last two regular season games where he put up right around 30 points. And the thing about the Wizards is they really can challenge anyone. Like I said, they're a very talented team. You have Wall and Beal that are both all-star caliber guys. They're going to come in and they're going to put up a fight. The thing about the Wizards, though, is they've just been so inconsistent this year, not only in their you know performance, but also in their effort. And there's a lot of things about the Wizards that I feel like is just going to make it so they're not going to be able to come out on top against the Raptors. Uh, but then again, you know, the Raptors are also a team that's known for kind of choking in the playoffs and having a hard time once the stakes are highest. Um, but still, you know, you look at the Wizards' last 10 games, they went just 3-7. and seven. Like I said, they've been so up and down. Having John Wall against the Raptors will be fun. It'll be exciting. It may push the Raptors a little bit, but I still think Toronto comes out on top. Um, I don't think it's going to be a sweep, though, or even a gentleman's sweep. I think it's going to take six games for the Raptors to finally put the Wizards away, which is not what you want to see as the one seed. Obviously, as the one seed, you're hoping to, you know, get through that first round quick, um, have some time to rest and all that, but I don't think that's going to be the case. I think the Wizards are going to put up a nice fight against the Raptors and it'll be Toronto in six games. Uh, the 2-7 Celtics-Bucks. This one also was 2-2 two two in the regular season series so they split there. All the games you know were relatively close and quite frankly with how banged up the Celtics are um, and with the talent the Bucks have on their team you know with guys like Giannis Antetokounmpo, Jabari Parker, Chris Middleton. Honestly like I feel like the Bucks should win this series um, but I don't think they're going to. I mean, the Bucks have been mystifyingly inconsistent this year, um, whereas the Celtics, even you know, you know, without Kyrie, without Gordon Hayward, obviously who was out all year, you know, the Celtics have still been extremely good. Um, even without uh, even more stars than those I just mentioned, you know, obviously they had injuries to Al Horford, they had injuries to uh, Marcus Morris, obviously Marcus Smart as well. You know, the, the Celtics kind of backups or, you know, some people might call them their scrubs, even though they're far from that. Those guys went on a really nice run where they where they won six games in a row. And that included wins over the Thunder, the Blazers. Of course, you guys remember the Jazz game um, and then the Raptors as well. And so, I mean, those guys play really hard. They play really well. There's a lot of talent on this Celtics team, even among, you know, the second and third stringers, if you want to refer to them that way. Um, interestingly enough, though, you want to know who ended that six-game run that I just talked about? It was the Milwaukee Bucks, um, who the Celtics will be facing. So, again, I think this is going to be a good series, an intriguing series. I really do think that the the Bucks have, you know, a ton of talent on their team where they, they should be able to challenge who's going to be suiting up for the Celtics, especially, you know, Antetokounmpo, we know is an absolutely phenomenal talent. Um, but the real advantage here for the for the Celtics is in the coaching. Obviously, Brad Stevens is an amazing coach. He knows how to get the most out of his guys and really be effective and really be dominant. And I think that he'll have a clear edge over Joe Prunty, uh, the coach for the Bucks right now. And so with that being the case, I'm going to pick Celtics in six. Um, again, you know, the Bucks have played the Celtics relatively well this year, so I think that they will, you know, put up a fight. Um, but in a seven-game series, I just know that Brad Stevens is going to figure out how to beat these guys, especially with how inconsistent they've been, and that's why I'm choosing Boston in six. Uh, the next one, Sixers Heat. 
This one's going to be pretty interesting, honestly. I think, again, for the third time, um, these two teams split the regular season series 2-2. Two to two, And once again, they are all relatively close games. Obviously, the Sixers have kind of been grabbing, you know, a lot of national attention lately because they ended the season red hot by winning 16 in a row. Um, you know, I don't mean to be a hater, but a lot of those games were against not the greatest competition. But still, I don't care who you're playing. 16 games in a row is a huge accomplishment. And obviously, there was that, you know, kind of incredible and really gritty win over the Cavs towards the end of the year that kind of sealed the Sixers as the three seed. Um, I, You know, Ben Simmons has been great as much as Jazz fans don't want to hear or maybe admit that. He's been phenomenal. Um, if Joel Embiid comes back, they're going to be in really good shape. Um, Embiid is still unlikely for game one, but he also has not been ruled out. Um, so, you know, if he's in action, it makes the Sixers all the more dangerous, even though they, they looked good without him too, which makes it all the more scary. Uh, to me, the Heat, though, they're kind of like a poor man's Boston Celtics in that, you know, that they really play as a team. They have a lot of guys that just go out and play hard and do their job. Um, they have a really good coach in Eric Spolstra. So I think this is going to be a hard one for the Sixers. Uh, the other thing about the Sixers is that obviously they're confident right now and for good reason. I mean, they've won 16 in a row. But also a lot of their main guys, you know, I'm, I'm thinking mostly, you know, of Simmons and, and Embiid, also, you know, like Sarge and Covington, all those guys, you know, they don't have any playoff experience. And so I feel like while they're confident, they also might be in danger of getting a little too overconfident. And, and that could hurt them. I think this Heat team is going to be really focused on just going out and ignoring, you know, the drama that sometimes comes out of Embiid's mouth and things like that. This Heat team is just going to, is just going to want to get down to business and play ball and fight and grind as much as they can. Um, with that all being said, at the end of the day, I do think the Sixers are going to prevail, but I could really see this one go in seven games. I'm going to say Sixers in seven. And, you know, while I said the Heat were kind of like a poor man's Boston Celtics, um, overall, you know, their players aren't quite as talented as the Celtics and they're not as well coached, you know, all no disrespect to Eric Spolster, but I think Brad Stevens just has an edge there, um, with how well he's been able to get his team to play. But because of that, you know, I just think that while the Heat are going to put up a good fight, I think the Sixers will edge them out in the end uh, to advance the second round. Last one in the East, and it's the one I'm personally most excited for, is the Cavs Pacers. Um, obviously, if you guys have listened to the show before, you know that I'm also a, a big Pacers fan. They're my second team uh, behind the Jazz that I love to cheer and root for. And it, it's kind of a bummer, though. I do have to say, you know, the Pacers improved so much this year um, on last year, you know, after the Paul George trade and all that. You know, the Pacers were the seven seed last year with Paul George. Now, this year, they're the five seed. And a pretty cool jump, if you ask me. And what's their reward for it? Oh, you know, they just get to play the Cleveland Cavaliers again for a second time in a row. So several times in the last few years, obviously, either the LeBron James Heat or the LeBron James Cavs have been the ones to stop the Pacers dead in their tracks. So, you know, the Pacers have seen LeBron a lot, and they've never gotten past him in the playoffs, obviously. And it's going to be hard for them to do it again this time around, uh, don't get me wrong. But I think the Pacers are going to put up more of a fight than people are giving them credit for. Um, you know, you look at the regular season series, and the Pacers actually won it 3-1. to one. Um, both teams had a blowout win. You know, the Cavs' lone win was a blowout. Uh, the other two games were really close, and one of those was an incredible comeback on the part of the Pacers. It was one of the most exciting games of the year in my mind. And, you know, a lot of people think the Pacers are just going to get beat up by the Cavs in the playoffs because obviously LeBron's going to be in playoff mode. And, and for sure the Pacers are the underdog. You know, that, that goes without saying. But I really don't think the regular season wins were just flukes. I mean, this Pacers team is really getting slept on. They play great team ball. They have a great bench. Uh, they play hard defense. 
And, you know, make no mistake about it, I do think the Cavs are going to flip a switch and play much better in the playoffs. But their defense is bad, and that's just not going to magically fix itself. And I think a guy like Victor Oladipo and, you know, a, da- a dangerous Pacers team that can play easily 10 deep, you know, their bench is really good, like I said. You know, a Pacers team that has so many options that can score and really hurt opponents, I think they're going to punish this Cavs defense a little bit. Um, you know, really the saying, and, and Victor Oladipo said this towards the end of the year, is that the Pacers are looking to shock the world. They want to go out there and play hard. They're confident. They believe in themselves. So they're, they're really going to be more of a challenge, like I said, than people are giving them credit for. Honestly, if the uh, Sixers would have fallen to the, the four seed, even though the Sixers have been playing so well, I still would have given the Pacers the edge in that series because I just think the Pacers have been really overlooked this year. Um, with that being said, I do think LeBron is going to be too much for them. I don't see the Pacers getting past LeBron and the Cavs in a seven-game series, unfortunately. Um, the Cavs have been playing much better of late. They ended the year 7-3. and three, And, of course, that last game, um, you know, obviously we're taking it too seriously. I don't think they minded it at all falling to the four spot. So in short, I'd be really surprised to see the Pacers win this one. I'm going Cavs in six. Like I said, I think Indiana will put up a fight, but at the end of the day, the Cavs are going to be too much for them. That's it for the Eastern Conference. Now let's move over to the West. Point two. Okay, so for the second point, uh, I want to talk about all the Western Conference playoff matchups now, um, except for Jazz Thunder. I'll get to that here at the very end. And beginning with the 1-8 matchup in the West, you know, the the Rockets and the Wolves. Um, The Rockets swept the regular season series against the Timberwolves pretty easily. And I'm not going to lie, this is probably the series that I'm just least looking forward to. It just doesn't really intrigue me that much, I guess. I thought the Wolves looked pretty miserable late in the year. Obviously, when Jimmy Butler came back, it kind of gave them new life helped propel them to that really exciting win over Denver to clinch a playoff spot. But I kind of feel like that's where their momentum and their high is going to end. I do think Jimmy Butler could make the series exciting, obviously. And the Wolves have some other players that are fun to watch. You know, Carl Anthony Towns, um, Andrew Wiggins when he's when he's focused, which can sometimes be a rarity. Um, I also think that the uh, Lukumba Mute injury for Houston is going to hurt them. You know, he is expected to be out for the entire first round. But even so, I just don't think the Wolves present enough of a challenge for Houston to be worried. Um, you know, the one thing I will say is, you know, for a while it did look like the Timberwolves were going to finish in third place. You know, they went on a run uh, kind of in the middle of the season where they looked really, really good. Um, then, of course, the Jimmy Butler injury didn't do him any favors. But I still think even with him back, they're just not good enough to compete with this Rockets team. Just like the Rockets swept the regular season series, I think the Rockets are going to sweep this one. I think that it's going to be Rockets in four. Um, I think that Thibodeau will be outcoached. You know, his players are going to be probably exhausted <laughs> now that they're in the postseason after how many minutes he's played them all year and like I said I'm going Rockets in four in this one next one is the 2-7 Warriors and Spurs Um, the Warriors won the regular season series in this one three to one Uh, the one game the Spurs did win was you know there was no Durant or Curry or Thompson so kind of a fluke win you could say and all I have to say about this series is how much fun would it be if Kawhi Leonard were in action and actually going to play? You know, if Kawhi Leonard was playing and, and no Steph Curry, like will be the case in the first round, I honestly would pick the Spurs to win. I mean, you saw last year how much trouble Kawhi was giving him in that game one before, you know, the Zaza Pachulia fiasco happened where he hurt Kawhi on that closeout. And really, I think if Kawhi Leonard plays, this is a totally different series. We all know that. Um, unfortunately, barring a crazy miracle appearance, it's just not going to happen. And, you know, Popovich has done some great things with this Spurs team that's been battered all year long. 
but considering the fact that they ended the year 5-5, five and five, um, the last game of the year was kind of, in my mind, I thought it was a really disappointing performance against New Orleans. I just don't like San Antonio's chances whatsoever. I know the Warriors have been kind of cold of late uh, to end the year, but they're going to turn it on out there in the playoffs. And, and, I mean, especially if Curry does get back in the first round at some point, I just don't see any way this Spurs team that's had so many issues this year and doesn't have their star in Kawhi, I just don't see how they compete with the Warriors. The one thing the Spurs do have going for them is that they have been very, very good at home, 33-8, uh, and eight, which obviously is phenomenal. Um, so I do think that they'll win at least one of their games at home against the Warriors. Uh, but they've been so bad on the road that I don't see them keeping up with the likes of Kevin Durant or Klay Thompson, Draymond Green. Obviously, even without Curry, the Warriors still have three All-Stars and a former MVP. Um, again, not enough firepower for the Spurs there. I'm picking the Warriors to win this one in five. That's my prediction there. Uh, the 3-6, Blazers-Pelicans. Um, another good series the regular season. It was 2-2. Two to two. Um, So just real quick, kind of ironic that, you know, the East... Uh, pretty much all those series except for Cavs Pacers were 2-2 two to two in the regular season, whereas these first two we've talked about with the West, it was 4-0 for the Rockets and 3-1 for the Warriors. Uh, but now we go to the Blazers-Pelicans where this was one of the better regular season series. It was 2-2. Two to two. And I mean, we all saw what the Blazers are capable of on Wednesday night. Obviously, they really, really easily handled the Jazz. Their defense was spectacular. Um, Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum were on fire. And I mean, some of the shots that Dame was making, they're just mind-blowing on Honestly, when he gets in that sort of groove, you, you literally cannot guard him. He's just such a special shot maker, such a good shot creator. And if he's playing like that, you know, there's no way the Pelicans and maybe anybody else is going to be able to beat the Blazers when Damian Lillard is on fire like that. So I really think the Pelicans will have their hands full with Lillard and McCollum, like I said. But also the Pelicans have Drew Holiday. You know, I think he's very underrated, not only on offense, but also on defense. You know, I think Drew Holiday can make life miserable for Damian Lillard a little bit. And those two going at each other is going to be a lot of fun. Obviously, Anthony Davis is going to be the biggest factor for the Pelicans. He'll cause the biggest problems for the Blazers. And really, in my mind, the winner of this series is going to come down to which star, uh, Damian Lillard or Anthony Davis, can carry their team furthest. I mean, those two obviously are going to be a ton of fun to watch, even though they're at different positions. They're going to be battling one another, you know, in their own way and on their own teams. And it's going to be fun to see how that, that comes together. I think there's good coaches on both ends. Both Alvin Gentry and Terry Stotts are good coaches. Uh, but at the end of the day, I'm going to go with the team with home court advantage, Portland, winning this one. I mean, Portland is so good on their own floor, and Damian Lillard has been so good. Uh, the Blazers didn't have an impressive end to the year, minus that win over the Jazz. You know, they kind of slumped to open the door for the third seed. Um, but beyond that, the second half of the season and after the All-Star break, they did play really well. So I think they're going to be ready for the playoffs. I think they're going to be, you know, really locked in. They're going to have a lot of intensity. And I'm picking the Blazers to win this one in six. I think they'll win all their home games and, and they'll get it done, as well as still one on the road against the Pelicans to, to win in six. So those are my thoughts on the first three series in the West. But for point three, the third and final point, I want to talk specifically about Jazz Thunder. Point three. So if you guys have followed me closely on the jnotes.com, you'll know that this is not a matchup I wanted for the Jazz. I've been hoping they could avoid Oklahoma City in the first round. Uh, but here we are. This is the reality of it. And the Jazz, they're going to be ready. It's going to be an exciting series. I'm looking forward to it. A fun fast fact real quick is, you know, the Jazz have never played Oklahoma City in the playoffs. Um, they have played Seattle four times. They're 2-2 two and two against, you know, when it was the Seattle Supersonics. Uh, but this will be the first time that the Jazz will face off in the postseason against the Oklahoma City Thunder. So that's kind of cool to get to see this division rival for the first time in the postseason. 
And honestly, I just think it's a fun matchup. I mean, obviously, the Thunder were one of the more exciting teams coming into the year um, with the offseason acquisitions they had of both Paul George and Carmelo Anthony. And, you know, obviously, the Jazz struggled against them a little bit in the regular season, but I'll talk a little bit more about that here shortly because, you know, I think it's a little bit misleading. And more than anything, I just think this is going to be a very evenly matched series. Obviously, both teams finished 48-34, and 34, identical in the standings. Uh, the Thunder did have the tiebreaker due to winning the regular season series. Um, that's what gave them the edge and home court advantage. But like I said, I really think it's going to be a closely contested series. I think both both teams are on pretty level playing fields. And I actually just did a piece for the JNotes.com on Thursday, uh, really detailing the pros and cons of a Jazz Thunder series. And without being too repetitive, I kind of want to just go over what I talked about there because I feel like that had a lot of really good points that will help illustrate what this series is going to look like. So starting with the pros of a Jazz Thunder series, uh, the first one is that, you know, the Jazz have been in a very, very similar situation to this before uh, just a year ago. It's really crazy to me how many parallels there are between the Jazz Clippers series of a year ago and the Jazz Thunder series this year. I mean, you look at last year and, you know, the Jazz and Clippers had the exact same record, but the Clippers had the tiebreaker. They had that tiebreaker because they won the regular season series 3-1, to one, just like Oklahoma City has. And, you know, a lot of people that had them worried that, hey, are we going to be able to match up with these guys? Are we going to be able to beat them? Are they going to wipe the floor with us? And I think that's what a lot of Jazz fans and even more people that aren't Jazz fans, I think that's what a lot of people are thinking about this series against the Thunder. The Thunder are going to have the edge. Um, they're going to be able to continue that dominance that they showed in the regular season, winning three out of four games into the playoffs. Um, you know, also, of course, last year the Jazz didn't have home court advantage and they struggled on the road in L.A. during the regular season. Um, kind of the same story here. Once again, you know, the, the Thunder will have home court advantage, unfortunately, and that could be somewhat scary for the Jazz. But as we all know, last year, despite all those things being against Utah, they ended up winning the first round series. And so I think that the lesson to be learned from that is that, you know, Quinn Snyder is a great coach. Um, you know, you can honestly say the Jazz are healthier than last year. You look at, obviously, you know, Derek Favors last year, how he just, you know, fought through injury to play in that first-round series and came up so big. Uh, George Hill, obviously his toe wasn't right because it kept him out in the second round for all but the first game. So, obviously, he wasn't 100% against the Clippers. Um, we had Rudy Gobert go down in the first game, uh, which will knock on wood that nothing like that happens this time around. But I think there's no stretch to say the Jazz are a lot healthier this time around. And even though they kind of, you know have a big task ahead of them in a tough Thunder team. The fact that they overcame last year makes me feel good about Quinn Snyder being able to put together a good game plan and then coming out on top of this year. And some of the reasons I think that, you know, not just looking at last year, but also looking at this year, is that while the Thunder did win the regular season series 3-1, to one, I feel like that doesn't tell the full story at all because, you know, the first game that the Jazz won was so early in the season, the Thunder were still going through some major growing pains. You know, some might argue that they've had those growing pains all season because they've been so inconsistent and they've had so many ups and downs, but it was especially bad at the beginning of the year and the Jazz got that one. The other three contests all came in December, which as we all know was the toughest month for the Jazz. It was the toughest month of any team, uh, that any team faced, excuse me, this whole regular season. And the Jazz just had so many tough opponents, so many games, you know, close together, so many games on the road. And also, Rudy Gobert didn't play in the final two games in December. And he was far from 100% in the one before that. So really, you know, it was a Jazz team that didn't look anything like they do now. 
Also, the Thunder had Andre Robertson in action, but he's obviously out now with the knee injury, so they will not have him in the playoffs, and that's going to hurt them. That, that hurt their defense all year long once he went down, and it's going to hurt them in the playoffs as well. So really, when you look at those those four games, I mean, yes, the three the Thunder won, the Jazz weren't even close to full strength in any of those. Um, you know, One of the games, Donovan Mitchell didn't play either, and the Jazz got absolutely blown out of the water. So I don't think that fans should put too much worry into the regular season. If you want to be scared about the Thunder, there's other reasons why you should be scared scared. Um, you know, I think that the principal one among those is uh, the fact they have Russell Westbrook, Paul George, and Steven Adams on their team, three great players. Um, if there's any reason you want to be scared of the Thunder, have it be that. Don't have it be the fact that they're 3-1 and one against the regular season because the regular season does not really tell the full story. Like I said, if the Jazz had played the Thunder in, you know, March uh, when the Jazz were playing really good when they were in the win streaks, I think we would have seen a different result there for sure. And the Jazz, you know, are much more like the team they were in March than, than the team in December. Obviously, but despite a disappointing finale, in the regular season. The Jazz have still been playing really well overall, and they've been a good team since the All-Star break and leading up to the All-Star break during that 11-game win streak. So expect the Jazz to be a solid team and put up a solid fight against the Thunder. Uh, The other reason why I feel like the Jazz could have an advantage over the Thunder is in the coaching matchup. I really believe in Quinn Snyder a lot more than Billy Donovan. I think that Quinn's players rally around him. I think that Snyder has, you know, a better grasp on how he can exploit the weaknesses that the Thunder have, because they have a lot. I mean, the Thunder play a lot of iso ball. The Thunder aren't really that good of a three-point shooting team. They're not going to barrage the Jazz with threes. Um, they're not going to worry about Steven Adams pulling Gobert out of the paint and shooting threes or anything like that. I just feel like Snyder's going to be able to figure out this team and really have a great game plan against them. There's a reason why Coach Snyder's in Coach of the Year conversations and Billy Donovan is not. I mean, honestly, Billy Donovan, with all the talent he has on that roster with Westbrook and George and Carmelo Anthony, he has not maximized it whatsoever. And so I think there's a lot of things that Quinn Snyder will be able to exploit, and that'll be huge for the Jazz. Um, another pro about this series is that, you know, I know we all wanted the Jazz to get the third seed and get home court advantage. Obviously, that would have that been huge. But at the same time, whole court, home court advantage can be a little bit misleading. I mean, you look at last year against the Clippers when the Jazz won that first game and instantly momentum kind of swung in their favor. Uh, granted, the Jazz actually won one home game last year in the playoffs um, against the Clippers. So home court advantage really didn't help either team when all was said and done. But the thing I like about it is that, I mean, You're going to have a couple of guys in Ricky Rubio and Donovan Mitchell that are naturally going to have some nerves. Uh, They're going to be a little bit uptight, I think, a little bit um, anxious playing in their first ever playoff games. And, you know, in my line of thinking, you know, maybe starting on the road won't be such a bad thing. They can kind of get their nervous game out of the way on the road. Um, rather than potentially dropping a bad loss at home in the first game because of those nerves. You know, ideally we win game one. Ideally we, we sweep. You know, ideally we, we just win four in a row. But if we're going to drop one, it'd be better to drop one of those road games than to lose one at home and then give up home court advantage right away. If the Jazz can steal one of those games on the road right away, you know, that puts them in a great spot to just defend home court and potentially, you know, get home court advantage back right away. But I like the idea that The Jazz will be able to kind of get over any postseason worries or anxiety right off the bat and just get those pair of road games out of the way right away and and hopefully steal one there. Um, The other thing that, you know, obviously the the Thunder dodged a bullet, so this won't be as big of a help to the Jazz as it might have been otherwise, uh, but Corey Brewer did get hurt in the final game of the regular season. He's been big for their defense, especially with Robertson out. Even though Brewer, you know, originally they they thought he was going to miss some time with a knee sprain, looks like he is now planning to play in game one. Uh, But even so, if he's not 100%, that's going to, you know, 
really impact their defense, a defense that's been flawed in the second half of the season. Um, they were so good early in the year, um, and, and Corey Brewers helped them be better. So if the Jazz can attack him or find a weakness in him as he's kind of recovering from that knee injury, that could be a big benefit. Last thing I want to say, and I'm guilty of this too, guys. You know, obviously the Thunder have a ton of talent on their team um, with Westbrook and with Paul George, Stephen Adams, Carmelo Anthony, as I've harped on. Um, they're, they're just not as daunting as one might think. I mean, the first clue of that is that there's a reason why they finished with the same exact record as the Jazz, and that's because they have had their struggles this year. They have not looked like a title-contending team all the time or, or anywhere close to it at times. They've had a lot of ups and downs, a lot of issues. Um, like I said, sometimes they get stuck playing a lot of ISO. They're a turnover-heavy team. They're not an efficient shooting team. There's a lot of ways where you can say, you know, the Thunder have some concerning trends that make it so they sh they're not as scary as a matchup as we might think on the surface. Yes, they have the star power and they have some great players that's going to cause the Jazz some headaches, um, but they also have some issues as a team um, that I think Utah can, can exploit. So those are my pros about this series. Hopefully that has you guys feeling a little bit better about this matchup because I know until I really dove into it, I was feeling a little bit hesitant too, but I, I think the Jazz have a good shot to really compete and potentially win this series. Now though, let's look at some of the cons. The first one that stands out to me is the Jazz have just absolutely struggled in Oklahoma City. They haven't won there since October 31st, 2010, almost eight years ago. For a little bit of context, the starting lineup in that game was Darren Williams, Raja Bell, Andre Karolinko, Paul Millsap, and Al Jefferson. That was their first win of the season in the 2010-11 season. Uh, so it's been a good while. And, and, you know, Oklahoma City is not an easy place to play whatsoever. You know, they call it Loud City for a reason. It's one of the craziest environments in the NBA, and the Jazz have struggled there. I believe they're only 2-17 in Oklahoma City since the Sonics moved to Oklahoma City, and that's that's far from a good record. That, that goes without saying. So Jazz are going to need to turn that around in a big way. As I mentioned, though, you know they also had had historical struggles um, against the Clippers kind of during the Chris Paul, Blake Griffin era. They had not been able to win very regularly, if at all, in L.A., um, so we're looking at kind of a similar thing where the Jazz historically have not been able to win in Oklahoma City. Uh, but maybe they turn that around just like they did last year. I mean, they're going to have to, obviously, with Oklahoma City having home court advantage. The Jazz need to break this drought. Like I said, they haven't won there in eight years. That's got to end if they're going to have any chance of winning this series. they got to win at least one there and then defend home court. Another thing, and, and I've touched on this a lot, so I won't dig too deep into it, but you know, honestly, the Thunder have the two most talented players on the floor in, in Paul George and Russell Westbrook. I know Jazz fans might not like me saying that because obviously we know that Rudy Gobert is an exceptional talent. He's the best defensive player on either team. He's an exceptional rim protector. But as far as you know, taking over a game and helping you know a team go on a 10-0 run and leading these crazy offensive spurts, uh, George and Westbrook take the cake. The good news there is that as good as both those guys are, neither one is known as being clutch. You know, they can both take over a game, but neither one has had much success closing out games. So I think if the Jazz can really leverage that and, and take advantage of the fact that the Thunder have not been great in clutch situations, that's going to help. But overall, I'd say the Thunder have the advantage in the fact that they have two guys that really the Jazz don't have anyone that can quite hold a, a candle to. And I mean that as no disrespect, you know, to Donovan Mitchell or, or to anyone on the Jazz. Obviously, I love this Jazz team, um, but... No one can really reach their, their level um, individually. Obviously, how the Jazz can reach their level will be as a team. And that's where I think the Jazz are going to win this game by having their power as a team, you know, as a first and second unit, as a collective group, really overcoming the individual star power um, that the Thunder have. And that's exactly how they won last year. I mean, I think a lot of people would say the same thing that last year Chris Paul and Blake Griffin were the two most talented players on the floor. But the Jazz, as a collective team with a better coach, were able to win that series. So that's how it's going to have to be done again this year.
The other con about this series um, to me is Steven Adams. And let me clarify this a little bit because there's a lot of people on Twitter that keep talking about how Steven Adams always destroys Rudy Gobert. And that's just not accurate. I mean, you look at the game this year, it was on December 5th. And yes, Steven Adams had his way with Rudy Gobert. He absolutely annihilated him. He had 20 points, um, whereas Gobert just had a couple of field goal attempts and I believe just finished with five points. And in that game, yes, Steven Adams did dominate Rudy Gobert. Uh, but that was just one game. Rudy Gobert was far from fully healthy. The Jazz were obviously still in their you know early season mode where they hadn't really gotten any sort of rhythm together. They weren't playing well. And so I really see that one as a fluke game. You look at the... Um, the first game of the season between the two and Rudy Gobert won that matchup. You look at last year and Rudy Gobert put up better numbers against Adams than Adams did against him. So I really think that there's kind of an overstated narrative here that, you know, Adams dominates Gobert when that's just not true. Uh, but with that being said, I do think that Adams is a load. I think he's a handful. You know, the year when, in my mind, the Thunder should have been the NBA champions, the year obviously they gave up the 3-1 lead to the Warriors and... And then the Warriors went on to the finals after that. I really think that the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder should have won the championship that year. That year, And I was so impressed with Steven Adams in the playoffs that year. And I think that if he elevates his game to that kind of level this year, as he did in those playoffs, it's going to make the Thunder so deadly and so dangerous. And I think Gobert can keep Adams in check. I think it's going to be a fun matchup. But I also think that he's going to cause Gobert problems. You know, maybe not in every single game, but we're going to see, you know, at least a couple of games where Adams is going to give Gobert more than he can handle. And, you know, this series could very well come down to, you know, who bends more. Is Gobert going to bend more to Adams or is Adams going to bend more to Gobert? And wherever that ends up, that could determine the winner of this series. So while I disagree with the narrative that Adams, you know, dominates Rudy Gobert, he's definitely a handful. He's going to cause problems, and it's something that really makes me nervous about this series. I think he's one of the most underrated big men in the league. Last of all, as far as the things I'm worried about, is just some of the individual matchups. I mean, Donovan Mitchell will probably be covered by Paul George. We're going to be sending a lot of different people at Russell Westbrook, but I mean, Ricky Rubio, Dante Exum, Donovan Mitchell... I mean, love all three of those guys, but I don't have a ton of confidence that those three are going to be able to just stop Westbrook. Um, he's pretty hard to stop. And I find it kind of funny. Um, don't misunderstand me when I say this, but after the Blazers game, I couldn't help but see on Twitter that a ton of people were kind of just talking about how, man, Lillard is so much better than Westbrook. We're going to have such a better time, you know, trying to stop Westbrook than Lillard. And while I see where that point is coming from, and while Lillard is certainly a better shooter and a scarier shooter and a, a scarier shot creator, I think people are sleeping on Westbrook. He has absolutely punished us in a ton of games. Westbrook is a scary opponent. He's going to be a handful. He's going to be a load. And to downplay how hard it's going to be to contain Westbrook, I don't agree with that one bit. Uh, Jazz fans need to be kind of careful what they wish for or careful when picking their poison. And I'm not saying that they're wrong in saying that Lillard is going to be harder than Westbrook, but to act like Lillard is hard and Westbrook's going to be much easier, that's a stretch. Westbrook's going to be just as hard as Lillard, just in different ways. He's such a competitor. He's such a an athlete and like I said he causes so many problems for the, the defenders the Jazz are going to be putting on him that's a matchup that makes me a little bit nervous already talked about the Adams and the uh, Gobert matchup then there's Carmelo Anthony you know in a lot of ways I'm not big on Carmelo you know I think that he is not a great fit with this Thunder team but if he can get hot and if he can start knocking down threes he could be troublesome he's going to cause you know favors at some point to have to guard up to the three-point line obviously I think we'll use Crowder we'll use Jarebko we'll use some other guys on Carmelo to keep him in check um, but he could provide an interesting aspect to this series he could be the x-factor if he's knocking down three four threes a game that probably means those games are going to result in Thunder wins. If we can hold him in check and really just take out his impact entirely, then that's going to be a nice edge for the Jazz because they're going to be relying too heavily probably on, on Westbrook and George. So 
that's my take on, on the pros and the cons. I guess now you're all waiting for my final prediction. Um, this isn't going to make you happy, Jazz fans, but I'm going to pick the Thunder to win this series in six games. And it really pains me to say that. I hope that I'm wrong. Uh, a little bit of good news. I was wrong last year when I picked the Clippers to win, so I could very well be wrong again. But ultimately, the things that I'm worried about are the Thunder's home court advantage. They're just so dang good at home. The Jazz have struggled there. I know the Jazz, you know, played really well on the road in the latter half of the season, but I just have a hard time seeing us, you know, stealing enough games there to be able to to win a seven-game series. Um, you know, maybe we get the one that we need, but then I think it's going to be hard to win all our home games too. So I think between home court advantage and just some of those individual matchups I mentioned, I think Westbrook's going to give us a really hard time. Um, if Paul George is his typical playoff Paul George, he's going to be hard. Steven Adams, I can't talk enough about how talented he is, how underrated he is. And I think at the end of the day, the Thunder will get the edge in six. I hope you're not all yelling at me in anger at that prediction. And like I said, I hope that I'm wrong. And just know this, guys, more often than not, you know, I jinx the Jazz when I pick them to win. So this is probably a good thing that I'm picking against them because uh, if my reverse psychology works, it'll, it'll help them out and win. So anyway, with that being said, obviously the first game tips off on Sunday at 4.30 Mountain Time. Uh, can't wait. Like I said, guys, I'm totally amped up for the playoffs. It's going to be a lot of fun. Make sure you stay glued to the jnotes.com for all your playoff coverage. We're going to have a bunch of great stuff coming out. I hope you'll check out my pros and cons piece for the uh, Jazz Thunder series that I just barely put out on Thursday. There's going to be a lot more great content. Also, make sure you're following us at the jnotes, also at 3P Threat Podcast. If you want to give my personal handle a follow as well, it's at Jared Woodcox. Be sure to tune in the show on Dash Radio on Tuesdays. You can also subscribe on Blog Talk Radio and on iTunes. Thanks again, guys. Until next time, let's go Jazz.